So this year, we're going to be spending a lot of time reading from the Gospel of Mark, which scholars believe was the first gospel in the New Testament to be written. Mark actually seems to be the gospel most made for our world of sound bites and texts and tweets. Its language is concise, even terse, and the stories that it shares with Matthew and Luke are so compact, so lacking in detail by comparison that it's almost as if we're reading an abridged version of Jesus' story. A good example of this is the story that Karen just read, the story of the beginning of Jesus' ministry and the call of the first disciples. Mark, you may have noticed, tells this story in seven verses, but it takes 22 verses to sell the same story in the Gospel of Matthew. Once more, Mark packs a whole bunch of stuff into each chapter. And the 13 chapters, in the 13 verses before this reading of today, he has covered the preaching of John the Baptist, the baptism of Jesus, and his temptation in the wilderness. And after the reading of today, he just keeps going. The first chapter covers a whole bunch of stuff. It's almost as if Mark can't wait to tell the story, as if it just poured out of him. And this style of writing gives the gospel a sense of great urgency. Ted Smith writes, Mark begins like an alarm clock, persistently declaring the time and demanding some response. Things happen now, and people act immediately. In fact, the word immediately appears twice in the story of the calling of Jesus' first disciples, a very familiar story to those of us who have grown up in the church. Jesus has returned from his baptism in the River Jordan and his sojourn in the Judean wilderness, returned to Galilee, which is where he's from, and he begins to preach. One day he's walking along the Sea of Galilee when he sees two brothers, Simon and Andrew, casting a fishing net. He calls out to them, follow me and I will make you fish for people. And they immediately, it says, drop their nets and come with him. With his new commandments, Jesus continues walking along the shore, and a few minutes later, he sees two other brothers, James and John, sitting in their father's boat, mending the nets. Immediately, Jesus calls to them, and they too follow him. Just like that, these four men leave behind their boats and nets and livelihoods, and even in the case of James and John, their father standing open-mouthed in the boat, They drop everything, leave everything, and follow Jesus. They ask no questions, hold no discussions. They don't even pray about it. They just go immediately. I suspect the response of these fishermen seems pretty drastic to most of us. I mean, I'm all for spontaneity, but leaving everything I know behind and following some stranger who called me from the shore or the sidewalk or the grocery aisle, well, that just seems kind of ridiculous. But then, this isn't just some random guy who calls these men. This is Jesus. This is someone who knows who he is and what he is about and who also knows that there is no time to waste. Listen again to Mark's description of the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. 
Did you notice that Mark uses the phrase good news twice in this passage? He writes that Jesus is proclaiming the good news of God and calls and he calls for those who hear him to repent and believe the good news. His words hearken back to the very first sentence of Mark's gospel, which reads, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Jesus is about good news. And the good news that he brings is that, first of all, the time is fulfilled. Now, Jesus isn't talking about everyday time, the time that we mark with calendars and clocks and watches, the kind of time that the Greek call chronos, chronological comes from that word. No, the Greek time word for time in this passage is kairos. Kairos, Daniel Clendenin wrote, denotes a critical juncture, a divine appointment or intervention. It is, as Fred Craddock puts it, a special time, an opportune time, a time in which the constellation of factors creates an unusually significant moment. In other words, Kairos is God's time. And Jesus comes to announce that God's time has been fulfilled, completed, brought to fullness, and that a new reality is upon us. What is that new reality? that the kingdom of God has come near. The good news then is this, that God is not leaving us to our own devices, but here and now God is breaking into our world. Here and now, Jesus said, God's power is being manifested. Here and now the will of God has taken hold. Here and now, God has come, come to claim us and bless us and love us and save us, and we know this because Jesus is with us. Jesus has come. Such good news demands a response. Repent, Jesus says, and believe the good news. Now, Jesus isn't talking about feeling sorry for the things you've done wrong here. That's not what he means by repent. Indeed, the Greek word that is used here has to do with changing one's way of thinking, or as one theologian put it, wrapping your mind around a new reality, a new reality that is good news, but one that will change your own reality. The good news that Jesus offers is a new worldview, the divine vision of a world of peace and justice, love and joy, and he invites all who hear him to open their hearts to that vision and to live it out. If that sounds a bit too esoteric for you, well, then let's go back to those fishermen. They weren't deep thinkers or brilliant scholars or great theologians. They were ordinary men who worked hard to support their families. If Jesus had not come along on that day, they would have filled their nets and sold the fish in the marketplace and fed their families and then started the whole process over again. Like everyone else, they would have cared for their wives, raised their children, helped their friends, gone to synagogue, participated in community events, And after they died, they would have been remembered as decent men who were respectable members of the community. 
But Jesus did come and called these men to follow him. And they came immediately. And as they listened to him preached and as watched him heal the sick, welcome outcasts, feed the hungry and bless the children, as they talked and prayed with him along the road, they caught the vision of a world in which all are valued and loved, and they became Jesus' disciples. After Jesus' death and resurrection, they too began to proclaim the good news with their own words and actions, making it possible for others, as Leslie Hopi wrote, to experience the power of the kingdom of God in tangible ways. We will never know exactly why these disciples chose to follow Jesus. It would not be an easy road, and time and time again, they would fail to understand what Jesus was about, and ultimately, it would lead them to the cross. But clearly, it was a road that gave them something worth living for. And as Barbara Brown Taylor writes, their story offers a powerful testimony to the power of God to recruit people who have made terrible choices, to invade the most hapless of lives and fill them with light, to sneak up on people who are thinking about lunch, not God, and smack them upside the head with glory. Now Jesus comes to us, smacking us upside the head with glory and proclaiming the good news that we so desperately need to hear in our time. That the kingdom of God has indeed come near and that in spite of everything that tells us to the contrary, God is working to create a world of peace and justice, beauty, love, and joy. It's time, he tells us. It's time to share that great good news. It's time to let go of the nets that bind us, the boats that leak in the old ways that hold us back, and to follow the one who can teach us how to become fishers of people and his disciples. I have a feeling that sounds a little intimidating. So maybe that means we need to practice a little. So I ask you... What good news do you have to share today? What excites you or gives you joy? It could be something about your family, something about your job, something about this church, something about relationship, God. What good news do you have to share today? And that is not a rhetorical question. I have a microphone in my hand, and I'm happy to pass it to someone who would like to share some good news this morning. Who wants to start? Oh, we got one in the back. Yay, Glaffy. <laughs> I just love the way family comes together. Last night we had a wonderful dinner that we were not planning to have, but uh, my sister made the effort to come here with my niece giving up her afternoon to drive her down. So it was nice to have family and just to get together and have dinner. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, we got more here. 
we were celebrating my son David's birthday yesterday. Oh. That is why we, I decided to do that. Wonderful. We had a wonderful birthday today. I'm going to come back here. Thank you for sharing that good news. My good news is that I passed my driver's test the other day. That is good news. Uh, my good news is that my uh, daughter and uh, son-in-law have been here for a month from Liechtenstein and for Christmas. And for the first time in like 20 years, we had all the family together, grandchildren, our children. I think they're trying to tell us dad and I are going somewhere pretty soon. I don't know. Uh, but, uh, no, and I want to wish them a, a, a flight home to, uh, on Tuesday, a, a safe flight from to Liechtenstein. Thank you for that good news. Other good news? I'm looking at the choir. Oh, Beth's got some. I don't want to leave you guys out up here. On our prayer chain, we have a little boy who's 12 years old, Connor, and he uh, has had uh, a... Um, tumor on his spine, and he's been in and out of hospital at Children's Hospital since his birthday in May, which birthday he shares with Adam. Uh, I saw this young man walk, but he's been in and out of the hospital four times, and he has now been declared a paraplegic. He had a MRSA infection. That was one of his trips in and out of the hospital, and for that reason, he wasn't able to be around children. This young man has been out of school and away from children since April. And if you count up the months, that's a whole school year. He's been somewhat imprisoned in his hospital bed in his very tiny room, in his very tiny home. And on Friday, I was able to go with his mother to his IEP, which is a meeting that gets him back into school. And the school really didn't know him. They didn't know about him. But they had come to the house and met him and his mother. And through this two-hour process, this boy will attend school. We're very excited. The school couldn't do enough to help him. And they want to do a GoFundMe, perhaps, in the near future, to find this young man's family a van because mom and the brother can't lift him in and out of the truck. Um, and he is wheelchair-bound. So he wants to come play baseball with us, so we're looking forward to that. And through all of this real heavy-duty struggle for this poor mother, she's a foster mother, this young man will go to school. And so we are praising God for all of the help that Redondo Beach Unified is putting behind this young man. That is good news indeed. Very good news. Thank you. Anyone else? Last chance. All right, Jane's got some good news. Um, last night coming home. Last night coming home from dinner with my son-in-law and daughter. Um, got out of the car. You know how unstable I am. Okay. Um, Got the gate open, walked in, and the wind took me into the little side garage door, and I landed on my side on the concrete in the garage. And fortunately, my son and daughter were able to pick me up, 
And for some reason, while my daughter thought I was going to be in pain and everything, absolutely nothing. I'm just fine. I seem to weather myself on the floor in the concrete without too much problem. So I think that was very exciting. <laughs> that, that is exciting. It sounded like the Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz being blown somewhere. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I have some other good news to share with you. Thank you, everyone, for sharing good news. And we can keep sharing that good news with each other. Um, uh, our church is part of a cohort of 11 churches uh, who are participating in an exciting process called Readiness 360+. Plus. Um, we have a great team of folks who are learning to be disciples and to help develop disciples, and I would like them to stand as you, I read their names just so you can see them once again. I know we put this out before, but I want, and not all of them are here, but let's, let's get those up who are here. So Catherine Bienvenue, Bibi Buchan, Don Carlisle, Colin Elder, Mark Haney, Ellie Mackey, Krista Martinez, Brad Stein, and myself. So this is part of your team here today, and you guys can sit down now. Um, thank you. Since our first large meeting in October, our team has met three times to get to know one another better and to build our team's spiritual intensity. And yesterday, we met with our cohort, with those other 10 churches, um, for a second time for a whole day, literally from 8.45 to 4, um, of learning and sharing. And I want to invite Colin Elder to come up and tell you a little bit more about next steps in this process. So. All right, so we'll try to keep this brief and inspirational. Is everyone ready to be inspired? You don't sound very inspired. <laughs> Choir, are you inspired? Sounded good earlier. Uh, so one thing that we are going to do, um, I guess in the next three months before April, is we have this real discipleship survey. It's very colorful. Everyone can read this, right? It's not too far away. Not really small print. Good. Um, so it is going to help you understand where you are on your disciple journey. Um, they have a bunch of different categories, a life of worship, a life of hospitality, a life open to Jesus, a life of obeying Jesus, a life of service, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so what you're going to do is we will give this out after we figure out how to better score it uh, so that we can see where our whole congregation is, and each of you can have a better idea of where you are. Um, by show of hands, because you guys all look really bored right now, who thinks they are ready to walk out the door and go find a stranger off the street and teach them about Jesus? Good, we're all on the same page. <laughs> nice. Um, so they have different uh, kind of rankings of where you are, from exploring, beginning, growing, maturing, to give you a better idea of where you're going and what you need to work on. Uh, so... In a life of obeying Jesus, maybe I'm scoring pretty, pretty low, still exploring, still learning about that. Um, in a life of tormenting other members, I am way off the chart on the other end, number one. So you're going to be taking this, we'll be working on it, and we'll be discussing the kind of results as a whole congregation anonymously. Don't worry, we're not going to put your picture up there and point out where you are and laugh at you. So we're going to do that in the next couple weeks, and then I'm going to require full participation from all of you. And again, this will be great because you're going to do it, and then you won't have to hear from me ever again. 
we're going to be doing some more focused praying in an individual group. So everybody look across the aisle. Do you see someone you don't know? And when I say no, I mean you know how many kids they have, uh, what they ate for breakfast this morning, um, who their favorite football team is, whether they like the Patriots or whether they're a good person, one or the other. So we're going to be working on that and getting you guys to pray for each other and learn about each other, and we're going to become a stronger, more spiritually intense congregation. Yeah, that's one of our buzzwords. So I hope everybody's ready to participate, because if you don't participate, I have to come do the speech again, and you guys don't want to have that happen. So we're having a great time, I promise. Thanks. I hope you're all very inspired now. Thank you, Colin. Um, we are all, actually all really excited about this process and the possibilities for our church, so I hope that you will, um, when you hear more about it from whoever, um, that you will participate um, with your whole hearts. Um, because Jesus comes and calls us, not just to be bystanders, but to actually participate in the work of the kingdom, the kingdom that was here among us. And that is a great and glorious thing. And I hope that you will feel that and walk into that with high hopes and a heart ready, ready to go immediately into what God calls us to do. I invite you now to pray in your own way as we sing together uh, hymn 398, um, Jesus Calls Us. <laughs>